Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Bud, we'll jump into a little Clemson preview here. Look forward to this, one of the marquee games on the schedule, and maybe a game that Florida State doesn't have quite the roster to contend with, but uh, we'll get into it, try to give people an idea as to what to expect at 3.30 and uh, how a team might appear coming off a bye week. Before we do that, we want to thank our friends in New Iberia, Louisiana. Louisiana hot sauce, three simple ingredients. One fantastic product, something I use daily, something Bud is a massive fan of as well and something that we're very fond of and fortunate to pair with. So thank you always to them. Uh, We're also going to try something uh, tonight that will be a little bit unique. Going to sample from one of Bud's uh, recent um, Twitch conversations that's exclusively about clemson so there'll be a period of time where uh, you hear just bud and that will not be because i'm searching for uh, the bottom of a vodka bottle after watching 13 to 1 this afternoon that will just be because we are using some audio and uh, trying something a little bit different so with that bud let's uh let's get into this clemson talk Indeed. Like you said, 3.30 Eastern time in Clemson. Uh, this is the largest point spread I think that Florida State has faced in the last uh, 30 years, or basically as long as, as the, the reliable data uh, goes back. Um, they're 27-point dogs. The over-under is 60 or 61, depending on where you look. And this is uh, this is quite the task. And yet, I I don't really feel a lot of stress about this game. This is not a game that we thought you could win in the preseason. I don't think anything that either of these teams have done has really changed our opinion on that. Even if Clemson has not been, you know, quite as good as Clemson was projected to be in the preseason, um, and, and I don't buy at all that like the 2014 FSU comparisons. I think the Clemson faults are very easily explainable and are not necessarily a cultural issue like Florida State uh, slowly had building there in 2014, but. This is still by far the best team FSU's played, and 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 by, like I said, by by far. Um, so this, this is pretty interesting here to watch this unfold. And, and Inger, I think we have to start with one question that will lead us into the offense, and, and that question is: Are are you playing to win, or are you playing to keep the score respectable? Because I, I I think that there are two distinct approaches here. If you want to play to win, that's one thing. And if you do, you have to understand that the potential blowout on the other side of that is potentially a lot bigger. But it does increase your chance of winning. Now, you could also play just to to keep things close. And that's also fine, I think, in a game like this, right? You don't ever want to tell your players this, but there's definitely a way to play to where you're not really trying to put it in jeopardy. So, that's... That's something. Have you thought about that all this week? Because FSU is like sixteen to one underdogs. No, I'm not. I'm not playing to win. I mentioned after I believe the NC State uh, when I was doing the Instant Reaction podcast that I would do a very minimal uh, Clemson install, if anything at all. Look, your season, in my opinion, is going to be decided by the Wake Forest and the Miami games. And uh, Wake Forest is a challenging enough opponent. It runs a unique, and or at least there's aspects of what they run that are unique enough. Uh, to give a little bit of extra time to. And it doesn't mean that you can't maybe find and claim some of the similarities that Clemson also does. But uh, no, I, I'm not playing to win. And that's not really a loser's mentality. That's that's addressing the broader season uh, rather than believing in some kind of fanciful thing. Now, look, if, if uh, 
Clemson snaps the ball over the punter's head two times and Lawrence throws four interceptions and there's crazy stuff going on, then yeah, I'm not saying it's impossible. But I think the wiser thing is uh, trying to keep a roster intact, uh, both physically and mentally, uh, after this game and looking for victories that are are more attainable and uh, not more meaningful. I'm not going to say that, but are going to have a more larger impact on kind of the roadmap to finding yourself back to a a quasi-consistent program uh, rather than thinking that uh, you're going to go into a game with no chance and significant suspensions, et cetera, and pull out a miracle. It's a great point you make um, uh, about the prep. I was actually looking at the Vegas look-ahead numbers today. Florida State's going to be an underdog at Wake Forest. Not a big one, but they're probably going to be a two- or three-point underdog at Wake Forest, depending on what happens this weekend. So if I'm Florida State staff, yeah, we're, we're going to prep for Clemson. We're definitely going to prep for Clemson. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to prep for the stuff that Clemson and Wake Forest do similar, you know, um, and, and, and not use two weeks for, for the Clemson game. The main thing here is there's just no reason to believe that you can block Clemson's defense, really at all. Um, your offensive line is one of the worst in college football. You don't have quality players there. Some of them are just flat out bad players. Um, you, I mean, your your metrics here are are real bad, and, and that's with Kendall Bryles uh, and Randy Clements and the offensive staff being able to hide it some. But there, let's make no mistake about it: Florida State is succeeding in spite of its atrocious offensive line talent. And I mean, this is one of the things we call Willie Taggart out for failing to get enough transfers and new players in uh, to to affect change this year, and he only really got one who's doing anything. And that's Ryan Roberts. Obviously, you know, Pope is two if you count the true freshman. But I don't think that the transfers would have made that much of a difference in this game regardless. Uh, so let's go ahead and, and get into this here. Uh, Florida State with a uh, an offense currently rating 22nd. That is, by the way, the best offense Clemson has seen. Not by a lot, but it's, it's close. Clemson's defense, however, is uh, 10th, and that is no doubt uh, the best defense that Florida State has faced. Boise currently sits 50th, ULM 123rd, uh, UVA 23rd, Louisville 86th, NC State 43rd. So uh, a pretty legitimate step up from anybody else who we faced this season. And that, that's uh, that's, that's going to be pretty interesting to uh, to see how FSU handles this. And, and like we said, do you play to win? Do you play to keep the score close? Part of this is like, you probably can't block Clemson either way, but you have a better chance of blocking them more frequently, um, even if it's not going to be 50% of the time, if you are using tempo. That's Tempo is an element that Florida State has used quite a bit this year uh, to try to give its offensive line an advantage. Uh, when it's had to slow down, it has really struggled at times to block people. But yet if you go tempo and you end up going three and out, then Clemson's getting the ball back. Uh, all the faster. So this is a sort of a catch-22 for this Knowles offense. Absolutely. I mean, you got to really kind of try to figure out what you want to do here. Uh, Clemson, I mean, I am glad that you addressed the 2019-2014 thing immediately. Uh, I just don't think that's a complete agreement there. Now, is there uh, a vacuum of leadership a little bit? And, you know, you've had big, massive personalities in that locker room uh, leave, uh, yeah, that might be in play after talking to some of my uh, people that I value their opinion of the program. But that doesn't necessarily transfer to a to a culture thing. It's a it's a real young roster 
trying to uh, find themselves. And I, I don't think that you're just seeing uh, kind of a slow decay. Uh, you know, maybe we'll we'll take uh, stock of this at the end of the year. But there's that, that's more kind of uh, kind of projectionary or uh, maybe hoping to see something that's not there, in my opinion. Anyway, how that impacts the defense. Uh, it's an interesting uh, formation and what they're trying to do. It's very kind of indicative of the direction that football went in. Uh, Venerables is a guy who, uh, after talking to people, and this isn't like secretive or proprietary information, but just to give a background, uh, he spent some time at Iowa State. It sounds like has kind of borrowed a lot of uh, what they do in a three-two-six defense, which is pretty unique, um, and how they go about doing it. And they're not quite as good at stopping the run and having to blitz a little bit more and in, uh, in getting pressure. But it's a inter- interesting install, and I think something that in time will be pretty successful for them. I, I think this, this defense makes a lot of sense to run, um, both in terms of who Clemson is likely to play in the playoff. Right, if you see Oklahoma. This is a defense that's given Oklahoma some trouble before, e- e- even with Lincoln Riley there in Norman. If you see Ohio State, certainly if you see what you thought you were going to see in Michigan w- w- with the spread they run, I mean, basically anybody you would see in the playoff runs a wide open spread now to some extent, with the exception of Georgia. So, and Georgia's offense is not really scaring anybody so far this year. But you're right, they, they are having to blitz a lot more. And let's go ahead and listen to our first clip of me. And I just, we're going to share these. I, I really felt like I did a lot of research with, with the stats and the film and kind of nailed this. So let's go ahead and, and, uh, and share this now. And then we'll get back into more of the discussion of particularly where Florida State might be able to find some success and where it might run into a lot of trouble. Let's talk Clemson's defense really quickly before we have to get to the other four playoff contenders. And then I'm going to jet out of here. Uh Ohio, or excuse me, Clemson's defense. So they've always been a defense under Venables that is very much predicated on creating havoc, right? You want to get in high sack rate. They've led the nation in tackles for loss, I think, several of, of, of the most recent years. Um, so let's let's see what they're doing this year. This is the other stat I pulled from David Hale. So big shout out to David on Twitter. Uh, David noted here the pressure rate. So the frequency with which Clemson generates pressure in 2018, 56%. In 2019, 41%. So they have seen a substantial drop-off in terms of how much pressure they've been able to generate. This is not really that much of a surprise because they lost four defensive linemen <laughs> to the NFL, right? Like, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Now, the interesting thing here is despite the fact that they have not been able to generate pressure at the same rate they did last year, I mean, 56% to 41% is a good drop-off. The interesting thing to me here is that they have had to blitz a lot more to get there. Last year, 26% of their plays were blitz plays. This year, they've actually had to blitz 41% of the time. So Clemson has had to blitz a substantial amount more this year to get pressure, yet has not even come close to equaling the amount of pressure that it achieved last year. So they're blitzing more. They're not getting as much pressure as they did last year. And in doing so, they're actually exposing their secondary more. Now, I think the secondary has improved this year over last year. Uh, but at the same time, like, guys, that's a that's a thing to note. There are some teams in this league who could take advantage of that issue with Clemson. Um, now, Florida State did not handle the blitz well against NC State. They have the athletes on the outside to potentially take advantage of that aspect of it. Uh, Louisville, no. Boston College, 
Uh, no, not, not as far as athletes on the outside. Um, NC State, God, no, their, their pass game is horrendous. I don't think South Carolina does. Wake Forest, I do think, has a chance potentially to score some on Clemson. Um, but overall, this schedule the rest of the way is is it's pretty cake. I mean, they, they probably – I don't think Clemson's schedule the rest of the way would, would rate in the top half of college football. I don't think it's like a bottom bottom 20 or bottom 30. But, yeah. All right. So, like we said, Clemson is having to blitz a lot more this year. Uh, but uh, they're, they're still having a good amount of success with just not the insane success they had last year. And this defense is not quite as good as last year's because last year they could just rush four and drop seven. And they would consistently get pressure. That's not to say they never blitz. They certainly did blitz. And this defense is still a defense, even in the 3-2-6, that is absolutely built around causing havoc, getting people off schedule, getting those tackles for loss, getting those havoc plays and those sacks. Clemson has a ton of tackles for loss and sacks on the year. That's just what they do. Unfortunately, like we said, we're going to identify some areas where FSU might have an advantage and identify some areas where FSU might not have an advantage. Uh, Edgar, this is going to be one of those areas where FSU does not really have an advantage. Um, Florida State is 112th in the nation in allowing Havoc plays, and uh, Clemson is 16th in creating them. So Clemson wants to get teams off schedule. Florida State, uh, unfortunately, with its blocking inabilities, is, uh, is a team that is frequently off schedule. Very true. Uh, from talking to people over there, I mean, they, they think kind of uh, Jeffries and some of the other people, Pickney, or maybe pedestrian at least compared to what they've had. But I, I think that's probably just the case of people that have been really spoiled and seen some of the better defenders uh, in the ACC that have happened to play along Clemson's line over the past three or four years. So uh, really good talent. Uh, I think maybe some of their own fan base and those within the program are adjusting to uh, what they have. But look, when you got guys like Xavier Thomas and some of the other names, Isaiah Simmons. Uh, oh, Simmons is a freak. That, Simmons that, that, that's is a, a name. Simmons is a, a hybrid, and you probably, you certainly probably are already familiar with him. But Simmons is as ridiculous as a defensive player in college football. It's it's an exceptionally talented unit. Not as good as last year. It's going to happen when you lose. Uh, guys like Dexter Lawrence and uh, and the kid from Connecticut whose name slips my mind, just uh, ridiculous players. Wilkins. And, yeah, yeah, Christian Wilkins. Thank you. Uh, guys you don't get to replace. So, and looking at this, the one thing I think that would be a mistake for Florida State is to try to run the football too much in this game, especially on early downs, right? Florida State's run game is not good. It's just not. They're 82nd in the nation in rushing offense. And that's not like a, hey, total yards thing. That's that's their rushing effectiveness. They they consistently get behind the chains when they run the ball on first down. I don't know if this is a Willie Taggart thing or Kendall Bryles thing or both. But Florida State, in my opinion, needs to throw the ball even more uh, in, in, in early downs just because like they're not good at running the ball on those early downs. They don't get ahead of the chains. They're consistently – in second and eight, you know, even second and seven at times, it, it, it's and, and a whole lot of second nine, second and ten, and and some losses. Like their their stuff rate allowed on the year, which is which is uh, runs for zero one or negative, they're 113th in stuff rate on the year. Almost a quarter of Florida State's runs are being stuffed. Now that's actually an improvement from last year. We should note so. 
positive steps. But look, Clemson is 62nd in stuff rate defense, which is just squarely average in the nation. And yet my thought is, man, I would go heavy play action on early downs. I would try to throw some screens on early downs, some quick game on on, on those early downs, anything. Because you know Clemson's going to try to take away Cam Akers because uh, Clemson's pass defense is actually better than its run defense. But yet, man, I'm like, okay, but but the gap between Clemson's pass defense and Clemson's rush defense is not as big between the gap between Florida State's pass game and Florida State's run game. Florida State's pass game is a lot better than its run game, even with Cam Akers. And my thought is, with Clemson having to blitz so much more this year just to get pressure, and they're not going to stop doing that, I don't, I don't think, unless – I don't know, maybe early on if they want to see if their front four or just front three plus one can actually get pressure and, and they can drop and play a little more conservative. Maybe that would work. I, I think if you're an opposing defensive coordinator, we've seen this by most of these teams with the exception of NC State. Like, wouldn't you kind of have 2018 in the back of your head and say, damn, I watched that Notre Dame film. I watched our own film. We whipped these guys with three or four man rushes last year. We didn't have to blitz. Like, why would we take any risks and blitz? So, I wonder if early on they might not blitz a whole lot. But once they do, I think Florida State needs to go hard play action. I think Florida State needs to go uh, more max protection because I do think that FSU, it's receivers against Clemson's DBs. It's not necessarily an advantage, but it's not something that I think is an enormous disadvantage. Uh, And if FSU can get the ball to them and and get the pass protection needed to do so uh, with some one-on-one matchups, when they go max protection and Clemson brings the blitz, that might be FSU's best shot to uh, to move the football and score in this game. Complete agreement with you there. Uh, I think that's the the best thing that you have. You might be able to. It's still an, a very good defense. Still a very aggressive defense at times. You might try to uh, look to build a couple screen packages in. Maybe that's a place where you get LeBorn uh, more into the offense. But yeah, you're gonna have to uh, you're gonna have to either use aggressiveness against them or test them on the edges and other than that there's there's still not a whole lot of uh of question marks in the defense or at least question marks in a defense that florida state would have the roster uh to really prod and and test so uh not trying to rain on everybody's parade here but the the facts are the facts the numbers are the numbers and there's not a whole lot of places that when you look at this uh you see florida state having any kind of uh advantage and and certainly not any kind of significant advantage i completely agree so the other issue here we're going to need to look at is do you go for the big shots or do you try to go for the soft stuff underneath? And unless Clemson plays this in a way that I don't expect, Florida State needs to try to go for the big shots in the passing game. You are not going to slowly drive the ball against Clemson. This was always a Jimbo problem against Clemson. He, he oftentimes thought he could go and, and basically you know matriculate the ball down the field. But Clemson, because they are so focused on getting these negative plays, eventually they'll get one and they'll knock you off schedule, and you'll have to punt, right? It worked great when you had Jameis, but you only had Jameis for one game against Clemson. Other than that, against Venables, it was usually frustrating in a way that like, you felt like you had a schematic advantage at times, but not one that was actually realized with, with wins, typically. Although, the one time Dabo did decide not to play Deshaun Watson for a whole half of the game. And that was very, very fortunate there. 
There was a period there where Dabo was uh, Dabo was your real friend when it came to trying to get wins against Clemson. So uh, maybe maybe you can hope to see some kind of uh, reversion to that. And other times, you know, it's always helpful when you when you got number four and you can just run counter plays and ultimately, well, there's a there's an 82 yard run from Dalvin. Thank you, appreciate it. Uh, that that seemed to be a lot of the the offensive plan against Clemson there for a period of time. So I uh, can't say that I hate on that. Would love no, to uh, love to draw up any kind of game plan that featured one uh, one Dalvin Cook. So a, l- a lot of max protect for me, I, I think, is, is the call in this game um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, Florida State is 112th in sack rate allowed. Clemson is sixth in sacking the quarterback. So guys, it's it's harder to get a bigger spread than that between an offense and an opposing defense. I mean, 106 and 12th. There's only 130 teams in college or excuse me, 112th and sixth. There's only 130 teams in college football. So definitely a, a, a bit of a concern there. Um, but Clemson will occasionally give up some explosive pass plays. I think that's an area in which Florida State is going to have a chance to maybe put up some points in this game. Like I don't think Florida State's going to get shut out. you know. And if they have any chance to make this thing close to where you make Clemson – like can you make Clemson blink in this game? I don't think so. But, but if you're able to – it's probably going to be because you hit them with some explosive pass plays uh, and, and maybe there are some issues with their offense that they had. All right, so uh, let me see. Max protection for one-on-one shots is on my notes. Terrell, their, uh, uh, Nigel Terrell, their, their, their corner. Not Nigel Terrell, A.J. Terrell. Excuse me. He's, he's really good, really good. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I liked him coming out of high school. Using both quarterbacks. Uh, interesting comments this week by Kendall Browse and Willie Taggart on that. Um, did, you, did you catch those? I did. Yeah. Do you think Kendall Browse wants to play both quarterbacks? <laughs> I don't particularly read that. No. I, I don't either. And yet, man, I, after seeing how bad Hornerbrook was against pressure against NC State. I, I I would rather play James. You know, like it's great in theory if he gets rid of the ball quickly. It's great in theory if he does this or that. But man, like he didn't actually do it. You know, so that that does scare me a little bit. I think you may need Blackman's arm to complete some balls in the, in this game into some tight windows. You're probably not going to have guys running wide open too often. I wouldn't imagine. Um, but both kids are going to get hit a lot, so you you may end up needing both of them. From a, a like a survival standpoint, yeah, and that that kind of speaks to the uh, conversation that we started with as to whether or not you're really going to have entertainment uh, of winning this game and what may you may open yourself up to at a point to do it. And it's not as though there's any way to just kind of put yourself in a box and go through a football game. So there is no protection mode. But I will I will be curious to see exactly. Uh, how we try to scheme up uh, parts of this and in complete agreement what I was trying to say is you got to find somebody different you got to try to match Terry up on somebody other than Terrell and find opportunities where uh, that is a one real strength Clemson's got some talented defenders uh, but Terry's about as explosive and talented as anybody they're going to see in the regular season and uh, you know maybe you you stretch the field some and find opportunities where uh you have a slightly less talented corner and, and try to do what you can with James's arm and uh, see what comes of it. There's no doubt. 
want to thank our friends at For the Table Restaurant Group, as always. As I said last uh, time we met, I'll give you another reminder that 1017 will be a uh, fantastic opportunity for those of you in the Tallahassee area to take part in the uh, Reuben sandwich that uh, Madso does on the 17th. And otherwise, uh, we brag about them all the time as far as the options, Township, Madso, Centrale. Uh, but want to remind you that these guys have a separate catering company, too. And they uh, do everything from weddings to 500-person events, uh, but can also cater office lunches and really host anything uh, that you may want, whether it be something at the office, uh, casual drinks. Uh, keep in mind uh, the catering side of the the business. If you want to work with him, uh, go straight to the top of the food chain. Uh, Matt Thompson, reach him at Matt at ForTheTableHospitality.com. Uh, great people, people that we're proud to work with. Thank you as always for their support and thank you for the support that our audience has given them. Okay, so you want to make the, uh, the switch now and go to FSU's defense at Clemson's offense? Let's do it. All right, so we went from good, good to. Uh, Slightly less good and kind of bad, I guess, if you want to put labels on on this kind of thing. Florida State's defense, I will have to, I do have to tell you this, Ingram. Florida State's defense with the performance of some of its prior opponents over the weekend, it improved during the bye week to 78. So FSU has cracked the top 80 uh, in defense nationally. Very cool there. Clemson's offense or defense, excuse me, their offense rather is uh, 15th nationally. So Let's take a look at the previous ranks of the, some of the offenses Florida State has played. Uh, Boise, 57th. Louisiana Monroe, 62nd. UVA, 85th. Louisville, 35th. NC State, 81st. So while it is true that Clemson's offense has taken somewhat of a step back this year, uh, it is also true that Florida State has not played an offense even in the, the relative stratosphere of this Clemson team. So definitely a, a, a concern here. They're still running the same Pretty wide open spread. Uh, they'll use a tight end and, and one back. Sometimes they will go uh, four wide. They have really good players almost all over the field. As far as havoc rate, that's such a huge thing for college offenses. Clemson is, is uh, 15th in havoc rate allowed, so they do a pretty good job preventing those, those disastrous negative plays. Uh, and Florida State's defense is 71st, so in the bottom half of the nation, of creating those, and we think part of that is probably their their lack of a pass rush and their kind of iffy linebacker play, um, lack of ability to play a cohesive zone defense, and lack of instincts. Other than that, it's pretty solid. All right, so let's go to – sorry, I was just – it's like, man, this is tough. We, we really have never done one of these where, where we just thought there was absolutely no shot to this extent, although Notre Dame last year was was pretty close, I think. Right. Does this, yeah. this kind of feels like Notre yeah, Dame last year? I don't. I don't think anybody had any false aspirations of of going into Notre Dame. No. I think some of our fans did at one point, but yeah, I, I agree. Not not our listeners, but but some FSU fans. All right. So rush. Well, defense. their optimism was very short lived. I can only say that much. Uh, I'm sure it was. Uh, hmm. I, yeah. I I can count on my hands how many good players FSU had in that game, and I can also count on my hands on, on one hand how many rushers Notre Dame had to use to screw up FSU's offense. So, uh, overall rush offense, Clemson is seventh in the nation in rushing. Florida State is forty seventh in rushing defense. Uh, success rate, Clemson tremendously good at staying ahead of the chains with its run game, not putting itself in bad situations. They are fourth in rushing success rate nationally. Uh, FSU 
really bad at stopping the run on standard downs uh, and, and making teams get in the passing downs. FSU is 105th. This is your winner, I think, tonight for the largest gap between Clemson or you know one of Clemson's units and one of FSU's units. Clemson again fourth in rushing success rate. FSU 105th in rushing success rate prevention. Yeah, I think it's easy to talk about the offensive line, and I also think the fan base is more willing to accept the message. And Florida State has gotten better in the run. I'm not saying they're not. They are lining up, and they are a competent defense who is doing some of the more simplistic aspects of football correctly that give you a chance to play a coordinated defense. That doesn't mean that they're not still really struggling with the run. There's there's people who don't really want to, uh, who maybe want to think that's too pessimistic of a view. I Man, Clemson is, uh, again, it's easy to tell people about how bad the offensive line is. This aspect is almost of equal concern to me. Uh, I think we may be returning to the days of where uh, you see people get six, seven, eight, nine, ten yards before uh, anybody's really in play uh, to make a tackle. So, uh, regardless of where I look, and there's places where I might have moments of optimism, uh, when I come back and look at the two lines of scrimmage uh, and what Clemson more than likely is going to be able to do in the run game, fleeting, if any, optimism uh, leaves me pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, exactly right. Like Florida State has made a lot of improvements on defense, but almost all of them have actually come in the area of explosiveness allowed. They are doing a really good job of preventing the chunk plays in the last couple games. Now, can I separate that from who they have played? Like, it's not that Louisville and NC State and UVA are very explosive because they're not. But I think even relative to opponent quality, Florida State has improved in terms of explosive plays allowed. In fact, if you think back to the explosive plays they've allowed in their last 12 quarters of football, the vast majority of them are on extremely difficult passes that they force teams to execute. Uh, one of them is on like a tip ball off a defender's head, right? Which are the exact plays that people like us would ask you yes. to make offenses be able to execute. And they, they haven't allowed any like big that. runs. I mean, hardly any. But the problem is teams can routinely go out there and get four and four and five on first down, right? Florida State is still 91st in stuff rate defensively. They do not stuff the rush. They do not put teams in second and 10 second and nine or second and you know 10 plus when when they're facing a run play and for that reason they don't make teams uncomfortable against them which means like your clemson can use rpo and, and and run action and the threat of the run all day and my worry in this game or one of my worries there's a couple worries obviously if you saw me read all these all these differentials um look if you're giving up three and four and sometimes five a rush to louisville and nc state does that turn into five, six, and seven against Clemson? Because it might, right? Like Clemson's offense is a lot better. I, I and then do you do you start to lose discipline and and start freelancing because you're getting tore up and all of a sudden you're constantly facing second and four, and in the play play action that comes off that. I don't know. What I do know is that if FSU stops the run in this game, it'd be a massive surprise because they have not stopped the run recently. They have stopped explosive rushes, but they have not stopped teams from from dictating the the pace and and the the outcome of games with, with with their run game in terms of what happens on second and on third down. So definitely something interesting to uh, to, to track there. 
I think Florida State's linebackers are going to do fine, or excuse me, Florida State's defensive linemen will do fine tackle to tackle. My concern is outside the tackles, the tight ends, that type of thing. Florida State has routinely been gashed the last two games on some of these counter runs, especially when you have some of that jet motion. That's something Clemson uses a lot. They also have this kind of nifty like sprint draw counter play that, that, that they like to hit a lot. You'll see it. They, they kind of they, Trevor in the back will start to go one way and then all of a sudden he'll hand it off and, and, and the kid's going uh, the other way. So definitely something to watch there that, that I think Florida State is vulnerable to on the edge of their defense with their defensive ends and linebackers being pretty suspect relative to an opponent like Clemson. You and your spouse have the general terms agreed upon. Did you know that property division issues are not modifiable? Travis Johnson knows. Travis is a board-certified family law attorney, one of only 280 out of 110,000 attorneys in the state of Florida with over a decade of experience practicing family law. Each case is unique, and Travis Johnson has the experience to handle your specific situation with the care it deserves. For instance, if you don't do it correctly the first time, you could be feeling the effects for a long time. If one person is going to keep the house and refi so the other can get, get off the loan before, you need to make sure your agreement is drafted properly or you could be stuck paying a mortgage or getting denied for your own loan if your ex doesn't live up to their end of the deal. Don't screw this up. Call Travis, 850-435-9919. That's 850-435-9919. That's Travis Johnson, attorney at law, a proud sponsor of the Nolcast. We'll, uh, we'll move to the passing game after having that friendly running conversation, I guess. Yeah, and this is actually something interesting. Um, so l- let me just give you the base stats here for Clemson's passing game, and, and then I'm going to insert some audio. We'll have about seven minutes of me talking about this because Clemson's passing game is down this year. There's no doubt about it. And 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 here here's the deal. They are 27th in passing offense. Now, Florida State is 67th in passing defense. So – as bad as FSU's run defense has been, their passing defense has actually been worse. They are uh, 104th in passing success, uh, success rate. They also allow a little more big plays. But but I'm okay with some of the big plays they've been allowing, like we t- just talked about in the previous uh, discussion. Some of those have been a little bit fluky or just crazy difficult throws that got executed against them. It's not something that has me really worrying uh, too much in this game. So let's go ahead and get to that quick discussion here, and then we'll get back to uh, you and I, Chad. Let's start with Clemson's passing game issues, and there are a lot of them. I've done a lot of digging deep on this, in part because I also do the null cast, and, and that's Florida State's next opponent. So I've really dug deep into this. I usually try to start with stats and then go to the video to see why the stats are uh, what they are, right? So... This is something that makes a lot of sense. That the stats match up with the eye test, which mat- with really match up uh, with what we discussed in the preseason. So they have a far less effective passing game this year. Clemson does with their tight ends and with their slots. Right? They lost Hunter Renfro to graduation. Rogers tore his ACL and is still working back from that. He's their other slot who was very good last year. So right now, Clemson had two incredible slots last year. This year, they have like what, a half, maybe? And they lost their tight end from last year. This year's tight ends have not stepped up to replace those tight ends for Clemson. I'm a little bit surprised that Clemson, knowing this, did not go out in the transfer portal and try to get somebody, maybe from a G5 program or something, to to come in and, and counteract uh, the loss of that. They also really have not blocked that well from the tight end position, which is surprising. 
Now, without the reliable middle-of-the-field threats in sort of the short-to-intermediate game, defenses can really focus more on the deep shots to the stud outside receivers. And I think we're seeing this here. So one thing we can look at is the Trevor Lawrence and Justin Ross connection. Last year, when targeted, right, Justin Ross had a success rate of like 56%, I think it was. This year, when Lawrence targets Justin Ross, and he was the dude who killed Bama in the title game, this year, when when he targets Justin Ross, remember last year, 56% success rate on targets. This year, 31% success rate. So it's not chopped in half, but y'all, it's it's a pretty substantial drop-off here. T. Higgins is still a beast, but why is Justin Ross struggling with Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball to him this year? I think a couple reasons. One, Lawrence does seem to be forcing the ball a little bit, maybe a little bit impatient. That's kind of understandable due to all the success they had last year. But two, last year Justin Ross constantly got single coverage for Clemson. Think about it. You had to worry about Renfro. You had to worry about Higgins, and still do. You had to worry about Rodgers, and you also had to worry about the run game and the tight end. This year, you don't. Right? It's Higgins, the run game, nobody in the slot really scares you at this point. And you have Justin Ross, and they're like, oh, by the way, we're going to cover that guy more. And this is the first time in college that Ross has really seen more attention like this. So we will say, like, I think that's something to monitor, right? How does Justin Ross respond to the increased attention? Last year, he showed that he was extremely good beating single coverage, and there's not a lot of guys who could cover him in one-on-one situations, including in the national title game where he made a lot of those circus catches. However, how does he play when, when teams zone him more? How does, he, how does he play when teams bracket him? That's something they're struggling with a little bit. So Clemson went from four receivers that could really count on to, at this point, kind of just one who happens to be just insanely good. Uh, the numbers back this up, by the way. So David Hale on Twitter, friend of mine and a really good Twitter follow you guys should check out. He had a good stat here. He works for ESPN. I want to give him credit, and you can follow him on Twitter. Just it's it's a weird name. So just Google David Hale, H A L E, and he he actually had the comparative um, uh, passing rates and your pass, passer rating, and also yards per attempt for each distance six or under five yards, six to fourteen, uh, and fifteen plus. So a couple things here. Let's start with the long ball, the fifteen plus yard throws. Passer rating down this year from 208 to 174. So that's a, that's a decent drop. But remember, long throws are, are noisy statistically. You don't have that many of them, so it's going to take a little bit longer for for those stats to kind of even out and some of the variants to be ground out, if that makes sense to you all. Um, I'm not necessarily super worried about that. However, let's look at this, though. He's actually throwing more long balls. Last year... 26% of Lawrence's passes were long balls. This year, 30%. So they are trying to go deep a little bit more uh, this year than they were last year. That's a, that's a decent change. Let's look at the 6 to 14 yard attempts, right? So 6 to 14 yards, that's where you would hit your slots and tight ends an awful lot, particularly over the middle. This year, 115 passer rating. Last year, 163. Guys, going from 163 to 115 is like a major red flag, right? That is a really big deal um, and something that that Clemson fans 
should be nervous about if they don't find another slot. Now, there's a reason to believe Amari Rodgers will continue to get better throughout the year. I, I think that's – I mean, he only tore his ACL like six months ago. This is a pretty incredible recovery that he's already made. Maybe they develop a tight end. Maybe some of the young guys end up stepping up, whether that is a, you know, Frank Ladson or, or Joe Nagata. But um, you know, those dudes, to me, profile more as outside receivers. So they're still going to be looking for an inside receiver uh, solution. They're also throwing those passes a little bit less this year, right? 25% last year, uh, 23% this year. So a, a very, very slight decrease in terms of, um, in terms of, of frequency. Now, Check this out. They're actually better at the passes under five yards this year, although they're throwing them at about the same rate, about about 10 points better on passer rating this year than they were last year. So the the swings and the screens, Clemson's done a little bit better job of this year. They're not quite as good on the deep ball, but the real real drop-off is in that 6-14 to yard range, which is where having a guy like Renfro or a healthy Rodgers or a tight end, you could actually count on somewhat really can make a difference for you. So I, I do think this is a situation where the numbers match up with, 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 with what we see on film or tape or whatever and with what we thought thought might be an issue in the preseason. And this is really not an issue that um, that's new. We talked about this on Twitch. I, I mean, I, I'm noticing a couple names here in the chat who we've, we've seen for multiple weeks now. We, we've talked about this for a while. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, all right. So my next thing is uh, WTF is with Clemson's lack of explosive rushes. I, I think they've had some offensive line issues this year where they've had some inexplicable just like dudes letting letting guys run free, maybe, maybe taking a bad angle at times. Receiver blocking has been a bit of an issue. And I also think that uh, this year teams are playing back more to prevent the deep ball because they, they know that Clemson's short passing game is not as good. So while Clemson, from a rushing, from a rushing perspective, is just as good – like on a down-to-down basis as far as success rate, efficiency, all that kind of stuff, they have been unable to hit the long ball with the run game as much. And I believe that's because teams are playing their safeties back more. All right, so as you heard there, right, Clemson is 83rd in success rate passing the football. That's crazy, right? Like that is, that's the one thing Clemson has really struggled to do this year, the passing consistency. Now, Florida State is even worse at stopping passing consistency. They're 104th in the nation. So despite the fact that Clemson is really down like that, that's not a particularly good matchup for Florida State's defense because it's really a, a, a worry for them. I will say Florida State matches up fairly well at preventing big pass plays, at least through five games. And that is actually a strength of Clemson's this year. Clemson is 15th in the nation in passing explosiveness. So you know, fairly uh, fairly even matchup there. Florida State 34th, so not a huge gap, right? And that's with Clemson's crazy personnel on the outside. They still have T. Higgins, who should be in the NFL. Like we said <laughs> in the clip you just heard, they still have Justin Ross, who is probably the most talented receiver in the ACC and yet has not played at a super high level so far this year. I, I do worry, though, that with Clemson's ability to find success on the ground – and Florida State's inability to sack the quarterback, right? They are they are 70th in sack rate this year. Clemson is 6th in sack rate allowed. So Lawrence is well protected at pretty much all times. That's a good offensive line. Uh, and that that could be tough. He might have all day to throw. Do, do you worry that after the UNC scare, 
Um, and coming off the bye week and facing a Florida State defense whose backers and DBs and coverage are a real suspect, does it worry that Clemson might find a way to get right with its slots and tight ends against this group? Yeah, I think so. Uh, overall, from a, a macro perspective, it worries me that uh, they might kind of find themselves, find their footing, find uh, – it's it's a young team, and that's another reason why I, I'm not – super fond of the 2019-2014 comparisons uh, at this point in time. So, um, yeah, I I think they may find themselves overall, but particularly in the passing game. And you brought up a good point about having more patience uh, from your quarterback and a guy who I think is just so so used to being able to uh, exploit a defense with verticals and make throws to the sidelines that really nobody else can make. Uh, that he's been a little bit slow in learning uh, how to operate in parts of the middle of the field, and then again, like you mentioned, he's had his he's had he's had his security blanket taken away. He's had Renfro. He's had uh, the other kid that suffered the NC the ACL injury. He just doesn't have some of the options that he's had in the middle, and maybe with a bye week, uh, he forms a little bit better camaraderie or at least feel for the tight ends and and what they're trying to do in the passing game and yeah that's a legitimate concern uh that clemson kind of gets rights uh gets right over a bye week and uh figures out some of the things that have otherwise contributed to an offense that never in our wildest dreams would we would have guessed coming into the year that we'd be talking about clemson in the second week of october having an offensive success rate when trying to pass the ball landing them at 83rd in the country that's uh that's kind of ludicrous i i completely agree with that now here's the thing we we opened the show with the discussion are you going to play to win or are you going to play not to get embarrassed and there is a difference but i think there's a potential to split the difference and let, let me propose this if you're floor state and you've been playing this super soft conservative stuff all year which we know does not complement the type of offense you want to run. I think overall that's not real smart. But if you want to do that against Clemson and make Clemson go on long, time-consuming drives against you that take a lot of time and eat away at the game and, and it limits possessions in this game to maybe, I don't know, 12 aside, right? That's, that's not a terrible idea. Defense, if, I mean, you, you may end up giving up 40-something, but like at least it won't be 55 or 60-something, probably, unless you have a bunch of turnover issues. Um, so definitely something to to keep in mind there um, as you watch this one. I also think there's something you can probably learn from what Syracuse did on offense. Syracuse has similar offensive line problems this year, not quite as bad as FSU's, but they run a, a somewhat similar offense that – it's a similar Baylor system. Uh, Clemson beat the hell out of that system. Syracuse was held to 2.6 yards of play and 187 yards of offense uh, while trying to play at a fast tempo, and their defense was super aggressive against Syracuse, against Syracuse, or excuse me, against Clemson. And Clemson outgained them 612 to 187, and that was in Syracuse. That was a, a game that featured 16 drives per side. I would like to see about uh, 10 drives per side in this game. What, what do you think about that? Let, let's, uh, I'm okay with going fast on offense, but in this one, keep doing the, the real real soft, conservative, uh, you know, shell-type defense that you've been running. And let's see if Clemson can exploit FSU over, over the middle on, on some of those shorter routes. Maybe they can. Maybe they can rush the football like every single other team has been able to rush football in Florida State. Uh, but hopefully you're able to, to shorten the game and get out of there 
uh, with uh, with a more respectable score. And who knows if if you end up having real real success early, then throw all that out and and go for it. Right? I mean that that'd be a huge signature win for Willie Taggart if he was able to get it. But I think early on at least you need to kind of think, hey, let's let's not lose let's not like let's not lose our image in the first quarter. Yeah, let's certainly let's keep it together. Uh not I think some of the points you uh you made earlier about handling adversity and you know, let's just go out there and show that we're a capable team making uh, the the progress that we believe is, is happening uh to an extent. Deal with the adversity that is playing um, one of the three most talented teams in college football and uh, look like a, a group that's well coached and has uh, aspirations of success later in the year. Uh, just let's avoid going. Uh, I'm, I'm wanted to use a bunch of non PC terms there, but let's avoid, you know, going all in and, uh, and, and when things go wrong after 15 minutes, absolutely crumbling into, into a shell of ourselves. I, I don't think Florida State has a real uh, chance of winning this game. I'll be fascinated to watch how they deal with that. And uh, I'm, I approach my approach about having concerns with broader aspects of the season and not just this game is not, uh, you know, is more based off the fact that I think the program is in a much better place than it was a couple of weeks ago. And you have a chance uh, for uh, – a season that I didn't think you necessarily did. So uh, it's it's more a place of, of maybe being able to make a bowl game, maybe being able to make a less than uh, embarrassing bowl game. And I'm not sure that any kind of effort really comes out with a different uh, result from this one. So interesting situation for the coaches to try to get a uh, successful result with the realistic idea that a successful result doesn't necessarily mean winning the game. So let, let me throw some magic here because you just said something that really kind of struck me. You said you think the program is in a better place. Okay. You, I, no, no, I, I, I agree with you. Do you believe... Well, I think that there might be aspects of high... Pro- I mean, I think that the there's a, a higher level of buy-in in the locker room, and I think that uh, that you have a chance to have a better year than it certainly looked like after the ULM game. I agree. All right? Like 100%. And I think it's possible to have a program in a better place, even if the team is not actually much better over its last, let's say, 12 quarters than it was in its, in its first two games. Because it's mm-hmm. really not that much better, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah, right? yeah a lot of it's the same thing. But I think the confidence that comes from getting a win, like the kids don't need to know that on the team, right? Like they having some confidence that, uh, saying, hey, like you guys continue to work hard, right? You didn't quit. You didn't all of a sudden start committing a million personal fouls that it were of the selfish variety. The targeting thing, I think, is ridiculous. You know, like, that, guys, that helps produce results. That, that, that can help produce wins. All those things are really good things to have going on. And regardless of, of whether I believe the team is, is much better uh, now than it was, I do agree the program's in a better place. And my hope is that Willie has not built this game up to these kids in a way that if they lose, and if they lose as like Vegas and, and non-biased people out there expect, that they'll carry it over to the Wake game and the Miami game. Okay, like that's can't get beat twice. Yeah, that's a huge. In fact, let's get to our goals because that's one of our main goals uh, <laughs> that, that we. <laughs> You know, I cheated. We, I cheated. Went to, went to a straight to it, but yeah, yeah. It's just too. It's too easy. It's too easy of a one to identify, and it's. Uh, 
you can't have it happen. Uh, I just gave you all a long, uh, a long rambling spiel about uh, the rest of the season, and uh, this is an important game. I realize this is the level of opponent and kind of the spotlight that a lot of uh, the current roster saw themselves playing in when they signed with Florida State. But this game is is but one game, and it can't let you uh, can't limit from what you otherwise try to achieve the rest of the season. I completely agree there. Um, so. My second goal is a, is a competitiveness goal. Um, and, and this is just don't have the game get into garbage time until the fourth quarter. My guess is this game will get into garbage time. Um, and garbage time, if you use Bill Connolly's definition, which I think is fine to use here, that would be uh, 38 points deficit in, in the second quarter. I don't think we'll probably have to worry about that one. It's hard to score 38 points and a half. Uh, God, at least I hope we don't, we don't have to worry about that. 28 points down in the third quarter or 22 points down in the fourth quarter. If you get 22 points down in the fourth quarter, it's not going to bother me. If you get 28 points down in the third quarter, it might bother me a, a little bit, right? So I, let, let's let's get to the fourth quarter in this game before Florida State gets put in the garbage time. Is that fair? Fully on board. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fully on board there. We'll look to our offensive goals. Looking for... Uh, Four, just north of four and a half, four point six yards uh, per play here. Uh, we kind of came up with this number after looking at what some past offenses have uh, achieved against them. What we feel is a realistic uh, thing to achieve, uh, or at least to be able to achieve. And this is, uh, you know, again, something that'll give us a little bit of a benchmark at the end of the game as to how well the offense did and. I don't think that's too much of an ask, but I, I don't think that's necessarily a, need, <laughs> a real uh, thing that's going to be easily achieved either. Oh, this is an aggressive goal, and, and this is before garbage time. So, like, if you throw the ball against Brent Venable's son, right, when yeah. he comes in, that, yeah. that, that that to me doesn't count. Let's let's avoid seeing the names Venables, Herb Street, and uh, Sweeney, if at all possible. That would be nice. Yeah, I, I completely agree there. Um, so... Yeah, that would be the largest amount Clemson is allowed on a yards per play basis, especially in, in, in Clemson. But Florida State's the best offense that, that they've faced so far, I think, because of its playmakers. So, yeah, that, that'll be interesting to watch there. Defensively, uh, don't allow more than six and a half yards per play uh, before garbage time. Clemson at home has has really put up some big numbers on people now. In fairness, like they have not – Georgia Tech's not a good opponent. Right, um, Charlotte is is not a good opponent, but still, like A and M has a better defense than Florida State by by a good bit, and Clemson put up five point seven five, I think, on A and M. If you can hold Clemson under six and a half yards of play, I'm I'm gonna be pretty happy with that before garbage time. Now, if you want an, an example of what does that actually mean, well, if Clemson got seventy plays. At six and a half yards of play, that's 455. So that means don't get 500 yards put up on you, basically, before garbage time, you know? And for Florida State's offense, same number of plays, that'd be 315. So that'd be that'd be getting out gained by like 130 yards, not like 270 or some craziness. My last goal here is uh, just as a general ratio, right? Don't get out gained by, by more than 50%. On a per, per play basis, don't don't do this thing where Clemson has like a hundred percent yards per play advantage, and I click the game off at halftime. That that's not cool. So 
Keep it competitive. I want to see them play hard. I want to see them keep their composure in the game. Last year was one of the more embarrassing things with, with guys throwing punches uh, and then not really being disciplined for it much after the game, at least not publicly and not any kind of discipline that we could see there on, on those things, perhaps. Although, Quandary got some for sure. All right, Ingram, right now is an excellent time to buy a home. They're flying off the shelves. I know where you can get a great rate and great customer service. That's Resolution Home Loans. When you call 844-FSU Loan or visit FSUHomeLoans.com, we'll get you hooked up with Shannon Young. Shannon Young is the best loan guy in the business. I should know. I use him to do my to do my loan, and over 40 Nolcast listeners have as well. I keep sending out the t-shirts to the happy new homeowners, and, and I'm glad to do it. We've got great feedback with Resolution throughout the process. Everybody seems to love them. I think you all should give them a try. It's 844-FSU-LOAN or FSUHomeLoans.com. But, yeah, those are my goals. Uh, you want to get to predictions or you want to add any goals to this? No, it sounds like good goals. sounds like you might be trying to avoid the uh, baseball equivalent of maybe giving up 10 runs in the first inning. Yeah. So why didn't St. Louis pull Flaherty? Right, like, like I, I get letting him throw an inning because he's already warmed up, but treat it as a bullpen day yeah, and no, let him did, come out firing. It did seem silly. It did seem silly. How many innings did he, did he end up throwing? I, I clicked the game off because you know, I couldn't. Uh, buddy, I did the same damn thing. Trust me, I did. <laughs> I got into about the bottom of the third and was like, you know what? That's enough for me. Uh, that's enough for me. So. All right, good talk, good back and forth. Why don't we uh, drop a couple t- predictions here before we exit and ultimately give our di- ideas for us what Saturday ends up looking like. All right, so I'm going to go uh, 45-17. I don't know if that's if some of those 17 are going to come in garbage time for Florida State, but I, I, I think this number is pretty good. I, I really thought I'd be betting Clemson, um, but their passing game gives me just enough doubt uh, as far as their ability to beat FSU by, by 30. So I'm, I'm going to hold off on doing that. I do plan to play Clemson for the first half. You can look for that on my Banner Society uh, picks page. But um, in this game, I would advise the first half probably sim- simply because you don't know like how big this gets and if they pull their starters, how early they pull their starters. And I think Florida State definitely has some capability to score, uh, certainly against for- against Clemson's backups. So – I'll go 45-17 here, and that's not a crazy competent prediction for me. 42-21s, kind of what I'm feeling here. Maybe 42-24 if I'm particularly optimistic. Uh, that's that's kind of what I see, a better uh, effort from Florida State necessarily than what uh, Vegas expects, but that's, uh, that's kind of where I see us at this point. Uh, some moments for the offense, uh, a moment or two for the defense, but uh, – uh, at the same time, a very uh, realistic reminder as to where at least parts of these two rosters sit uh, at opposite ends of the extreme. I do have a uh, I do have an inspiring story, by the way. I think if, if you if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, "Damn, these guys are really down on this game." Yeah, we, we are, and we were preseason, right? Like, actually, I, I think this game. My prediction now is gonna be closer than I thought it'd be preseason. Preseason, I thought you'd lose by upper thirties. Agree. So I was I had four podcasts to record today, and, and and a Twitch show. So a lot of talking today. My voice is a little tired, but in the background I had some kind of TV channel on, and I think the the new clock rolled around, and uh, and a different show came on, and it was called Couples Court, right? And it was actually filmed uh, 
the, the, the couples were from Atlanta, and it's it's uh, it's couples who are arguing about something, and uh, and the, it's a two judge panel, and the judges I, I, I think it's actually a husband and wife judge set from what I could tell. I only watched the last like eight minutes of the show because it was right in between two recordings, and I just needed the break. And uh, and so of course the the guy was being accused of, of cheating by the girl, and they had gone on a television show to figure out what was going on. Seems reasonable, and uh, a lot of different things were happening that were kind of suspect, right? And and not good indicators. If you'd reviewed the guy's stats before you entered the game, right, you would think the girl was going to dominate him in the case. And then it got worse. He had to turn over his phone to a forensic examiner, right? Every guy's dream, absolutely. Yep. Uh, and and submit to a lie detector test. All right. I'd be more worried about giving my phone than the lie detector, but just me personally. All right. So now the forensic examiner comes out, and then there is a point to this. This is very much a, a Florida State Clemson related thing, somewhat. The forensic examiner comes out and is like, Well, uh, Mr. Jackson's phone uh, was interesting. It had no data, no apps, uh, no text messages, no files of any kind, and, uh, and, and no images, which was curious. He did have a couple phone calls, uh, and those did not come back as suspicious. And I'm thinking, my boy turned in a, bon- a burner phone to the forensic examiner. This guy doesn't doesn't realize. <laughs> like, there's no way that's dude. It's the dude's regular phone, right? And the wife is sitting there, like, really? You have no apps, files, text messages, images, or anything on your phone? Like, you have a like a secret agent phone here, you know? And I'm thinking, man, if I could live bet on this, I would bet like all of the money on this guy's going to fail the lie detector test too, because he, he's looking pretty bad. All, all the data and the analytics and all, all the all the pre, you know, presuppositions we might have about what's going to happen here. And you know what happened? This dude passed every single lie detector test and got a crying hug and an apology uh, well, after all that. It, it I'm, just I'm thinking, means the guy's a psychopath and can right. manipulate <laughs> well, his, his body responses to pass a lie detector test, but con- congratulations to him. Ingram, uh, I, was, I was hoping that you were going to say my conclusion was that miracles happen every day, right? And I guarantee you this guy was much bigger than a 27-point underdog entering the lie detector test results unveiling after turning in a burner phone I love and your uh, love your inspiration days at a time yes we, we found it indeed if he can do it <laughs> we can do it right it, it is possible so <laughs> here here we found it we found it all right y'all well we uh we'll look forward to doing a little instant reaction after the game and uh that'll probably be bud's responsibility but one of us will come to you after the game uh give you an idea as to what transpired and look forward to uh, jumping into the back half of the season so thank you as oh, always and i should be able to do a halftime twitch Ooh, a half- okay so we're going to debut the halftime twitch like that as yeah, well it, it, it looks like that's actually gonna gonna happen for real because i'm not gonna be in the press box for this one so i, I should be able to have a good access. Keep an eye out for the uh, Nolcast Twitter account. We'll keep you updated regarding the Twitch. And uh, thank you as always for your listen, support, and uh, we will talk to you first of next week.